Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Crane House in Indianapolis for a very special noon edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and my co-host today is Julie Raw, whose in-depth series, A Walk Behind the Wire, about women in Indiana's prison system, has been running this week on WFIU. Today's show is, a very, is very much related to her series. The John P. Crane House is in its 33rd year as a unique court-ordered alternative sentencing work release program dedicated to serving nonviolent female offenders who have preschool children. In lieu of jail or prison, the program allows women from Marion and surrounding counties to serve their sentences with their kids. Julie and I are joined today at Crane House by Darcy, uh, Patrice, and Janelle. So we're going to talk with them about uh, living at Crane House and about what, uh, what their life is like here. So I want to start out by asking about your kids. Um, Janelle, you want to talk about your, your two-year-old? Yes. Um, Celeste, she's two, and she uh, she's a bundle of joy. She's, <laughs> she's, she's a cool kid. You know, I like her a lot, but sometimes she's uh, hair-pulling. But uh-huh. you know, like terrible twos they talk about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I have, you know, short patience, but I'm learning. You know, it's a good age for me to learn from, you know what I mean? Because you have to have a lot of patience with two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Right. Okay. And Darcy? Um, I have Jaden, who is three, and Jayliana, who is two. Um, they like to tag team their mom a lot. Um, Jayliana is a redhead, so she is my little firecracker, so <laughs> she's a little hard to put up with sometimes, but, uh, they're great. I, <laughs> I love them. Uh, I wouldn't have, have them any other different, even though they stress me out sometimes. I'm glad that I have them here with me and I'm not away from them. Right. Great. Okay. And Patrice? Um, my three and a half year old son, Antrell, is very independent and uh, <laughs> he's very smart. He's not too energetic, so like he doesn't really try my patience. He's he's pretty much on his own. He's absorbed in his little books and toys and games. He likes to go around the house and quiz everybody with his cutout letters, and he's like, what's this one? And what's this one? And if you, you get it right, you're like, that's right, that's right. You did good. You did good. So he's, he's really funny and um, very independent. So um, I laugh at the other ladies there, like, running around screaming. And my son's just, like, sitting down with a book. He's pretty good. That's he's good. awesome. Right. Well, I I, for, I neglected to mention as we started the program, Julie and I are, are in Indianapolis, as I said, at Crane House, which means you can't call us today. We're pre-recording the program, um, so you'll just have to sit back and listen here on Friday uh, to what we've done earlier in the week. And actually, I was wondering, so Patrice, for people who can't see where we are right now, where are we? Like, what does this place look like? And what, what is it? what does it feel like, I guess? Um, it looks like a house and it feels like a house. Um, it's, it's very comforting and, and homey. I mean, like, as far as, like, we have a kitchen and everything. We prepare meals for our children here. And we have separate rooms and our kids have separate beds and things like that. It helps them a lot when they come here to transition back into our lives. It's like, oh, mommy's at this big house and it's great and, and it's fun. So it's, it's a very big comforting place. Like a, like almost like your grandma's house or something like that. <laughs> Can you tell us you know what where you were before you came here and how you got there? Well, I was at Indiana Women's Prison, mm-hmm. and and before that, um, I was at Rockville for a couple of weeks, and then I got sent to Indiana Women's Prison. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a I came from Elkhart County, mm-hmm. Elkhart County Jail. So. Okay. Right. Spent two and a half years at Indiana Women's Prison. Okay, and so, so when when you learned you were going to come here for this program, I mean, what did that mean to you? Um, I was just really 
overwhelmed. Like I said, I was there for so long, and it, they pretty much just pulled me out of the blue one day and were like, hey, would you like to go to the crane house? I'm like, are you kidding me? What are we doing right now? So um, I was definitely ecstatic, and I was very grateful, and I felt truly blessed to be able to be here and transition back into society and try to find a job and develop a relationship with my son and family again. Mm-hmm. Patrice, before the show, we were talking, um, just sorry to pick on you, <laughs> going back to you again and again, <laughs> but we were talking a little bit before the show about um, how when you were at the Indiana Women's Prison, your son was, you know, elsewhere, and he was how old at the time? He was pretty little, right? Yes. When um, I went to prison, I got sentenced in January of 2010. My son was eight months. He had just started to crawl, so... Obviously, a lot of time has passed by. Now he's walking and talking and reading and things like that. So he was with his father and um, my family while I was incarcerated. So, And were you able to kind of stay in touch or, or you know keep in touch with him and your family when you were there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they rolled. They came and seen me at least once a month. And everybody made sure they rolled. And I had hundreds and hundreds of pictures so they were very encouraging, and they made sure that I stayed in touch and had a relationship with him, and not only him, with everybody. And so I had my family support system. It was really strong. Like I said, his dad took on a responsibility by himself and did a really good job with him. Mm-hmm. Now, you're on, you've been here for just about a month, right? So, yeah, a little over a month. So how long will you be here? Well, you- I just recently found out that um, my judge ordered me to, to go back to my county on house arrest, so I will only be here another month. Uh-huh. Then I will go back to Elkhart County. Okay. And uh, Darcy, you've been here for how long? I've been here since March 30th of this year, so uh-huh. around six months. But you're not going to be here much longer. No, but I go home next week. Uh-huh. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. I mean, are you excited? Nervous? I am. Um, I'm excited, I'm, but I'm also nervous, too, just because... You, When you get used to something, just like when I was at the Indiana Women's Prison, I got used to being there. And as much as I wanted to go home, when I got to come to the crane house, it, it was ner- I was nervous about it just because it changed. Like, I don't, I'm not good with change, but I work with it when it's good change. So I've gotten used to being here. You know, I've lived here for six months now. My kids are so used to it. I said, next week we're, we're not going to live at the crane house anymore. He said... My son said, why, Mommy? I like the crane house, Mommy. So, but I'm really excited about it. I've been counting down the days for a month now. So every day I come in, I'm like, I have this many days left. So now I have six days left, and I'm really excited. Do you have an idea of what life is going to look like when you when you get out? Like, what what's the first thing you're going to do? What you're going to be up to? <laughs> Um, I have been asked that question, like, you've been locked up for a year, what are you going to do when you get out? I, for a while I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and then I thought about it and I said, I want to go get a manicure and a pedicure. <laughs> That's the first thing I want to do, is do that, just because I haven't been able to be pampered, you know, in over a year, so, like, I'm going to go tanning and dye my hair, and I want to take my kids to the Children's Museum. Because we drive past it every day and they see the dinosaurs hanging out of the building. And they're like, Mommy, I want to see the dinosaurs. So I'm like, okay, we'll go to the Children's Museum. So next where, week we're going to go there. And where's home for you? Is it Indianapolis? Mooresville. Mooresville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up. I was born and raised in Mooresville. I graduated from Mooresville. And then I had a bright idea to move to Kokomo, uh-huh. which wasn't a very bright idea. Didn't work idea. out very well? No, it didn't. No. So I'm going to move back home to Mooresville. Uh-huh. All right. And Janelle, you've got a few more months left here. Yes. How long have you been here? Since June 15th. Since June 15th. Now, when we got here earlier today, you were out looking for a job. Yes. Right? So it's it, this is a, a work release center, right? So you're all working. But you're looking for a job, so yes. did you find anything today? Well, today um, I went downtown to the Circle Center Mall, uh-huh. and um, a, a lady that was here before used to work at Subway, and they work with work release women. So uh-huh. I decided to check them out, and he said they are hiring. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. hopefully he'll hire me. Right. 
good. So that's a success. Yeah. Hope so. So mm-hmm. what what other kinds of places, you know, do you think you'll if you if that doesn't work out, are you gonna keep keep looking? Are you gonna Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm keep looking. Um so far I've had since I've been here since June, I've had four interviews. And so like every time I get a no, I think, well, okay, maybe next time it'll be a yes. So I kinda keep my hopes up. Mm-hmm. Let me remind our listeners that uh, we're pre-recording today's program from Crane House in Indianapolis, um, so you can't call us today. You just have to sit back and listen to Julie Raw and myself and our three guests, Janelle, Darcy, and Patrice, and I hope you enjoy uh, what you are hearing today. It's the, the culmination of Julie's series on women in Indiana's prisons. So. Um, Janelle, I also uh, wanted to... You know, ask about. Uh, actually, I want to ask all three of you. I know that this is a this particular program is for nonviolent offenders. So, can you tell us a little bit about what got you in trouble? What what sent you away to prison? Okay, well, it started off being to where um, I had a choice on whether or not I wanted to be homeless or provide for my family mm-hmm. because the situation I was in, my child's father. Um, didn't have enough strength, I guess I would say, to provide for us. So that led me to my crime, which is forgery, Mm -hmm. cashing checks. And, well, I can can honestly say, like, that is very addictive. Like, you you cash one check and you go in here and you say, man, I got out of here with $500 and, like, nobody stopped me, nothing. You know what I mean? Uh So it was addictive. So Uh when I got caught... I, um, that insanity thing was going on. It was like I keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. And so, like, I'm thinking, like, I can keep doing it, even though I got caught this time. Don't mean I, I'm going to get caught again. So that's what sent me to prison. I see. And I did 15 months there, and I came here mm-hmm. back in June. And so now it's like every day is a struggle for me because of my felony. A lot of times that's the reason why they say no to me. But mm-hmm. I keep my head up because I realize that I have to – do the right thing because doing the wrong thing is what takes me away from my daughter Mm -hmm. and I never want to do that again like I left when she was nine months and I came back and uh 15 months later she's two years old walking talking just as sassy as she can be and I have no understanding you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Mm -hmm. like I'm used to to babies and I have this two-year-old that just has her own mind and it's just like I'll never do that again yeah okay I missed a lot of time Um, I was incarcerated for possession of a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after you moved to Kokomo. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my parents, I found out both my parents were addicts and, um, my parents were both my, I would say my best friends and it kind of made me feel like if they can do it, I can do it. Now, um, I have a brother who he's like, I will not be anything like that. And he's never, never done drugs. But I went the other way and I was like, if you can do it and you can do it, I'm going to do it. So I started using and it just, it grabs hold of you and it's something you, you have no control over it whatsoever. And it. Me being arrested was was what made me stop. And I honestly feel like nothing else would have made me stop. And that's really bad to say, but it it, it just grabbed hold of me so, so hard that nothing was stopping me. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that addiction and about how hard it was after you were incarcerated because you were addicted, right? I mean, I think that would be very difficult. Um... Yeah, when well, when I was first incarcerated, it it was really difficult. Um, I did have a lot of withdrawals, and um, you know, most nights couldn't sleep or slept too much, couldn't eat. You know, my body was so used to having you know drugs all the time, and then I didn't have it. So my it was like my body didn't know how to react. You know, didn't have, know how to live without. It. You know, once. 
someone lives with something for so long and then they don't have it. It makes it hard. So the first couple months, it was pretty hard. But then, you know, I got better and, you know, once time went by and I got used to not being on the drugs, I had clearer thinking also. And I was able to think, you know, about what I was doing and what was really important to me. And... You know, all I could think of then was my kids. And, you know, all the drug use just completely slipped out of my mind because at that time all I wanted was my kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it something that other people that, you know, you, I guess you've come in contact with just being in the criminal justice system, were there a lot of other women you met who were dealing with drug issues and... Absolutely. There there was a lot of people, um, a lot of people that, that get incarcerated and that I was in jail with and in prison with, a lot of people were in there with for, for drugs. And I've noticed that I never realized, what I never realized before I became incarcerated was there's a lot of people out there the same as me, you know, that are struggling with drug use and, you know, and how to deal with it and... And I also know now that there's a lot, there's even more people out there that have just never been caught. And a lot of people don't know how to deal with it until, you know, they, they're forced to be put into a situation where they lose their family and they lose their children and make them realize, you know, what, what is more important to you. Mm-hmm. If, I, if, you know, I can ask, like, why, why do you think that, that's such an issue, I guess. You know, obviously you have your personal story, and, and then, you know, why do you think that people end up in the, that situation? Um, I feel like a lot, I don't know, of course, so much about men, but I, I do feel that a lot of the time women use drug use as a way to cope with either past issues or maybe low self esteem. But I I know that those have played, both of those things have played a role in my drug use. And a lot of people that I have been, you know, incarcerated with, they've used that as, you know, that was their coping mechanism to get over a past trauma. And I know at, at the Indiana Women's Prison, they did help you to see different ways that you can cope with past traumas rather than drug use. So hopefully I'm going to try using those coping skills and I hope that there's other women that do do too. Got it. So just a matter of finding different ways of coping. Yeah. yeah. Patrice, what's your story? <laughs> well, mine is really um I was at a really really rough time in my life. I had a child previously in 2005, a daughter and she passed away in 2008. Um, she died of strep pneumonia, and I was very young. I was a young mother. I was a teenage mom, and um, I was 19 when she passed away. I had no idea how to cope with it. I was a, just a kid with a kid, and so I just kind of withdrew from my family and um, just hung with the wrong crowd or whatever, sought comfort with people who didn't really comfort me, I guess you could say, that didn't want to talk about that. They didn't want to keep bringing it up and then keep asking me, oh, how you doing today? It was more like, we're just going to have fun. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. So I just got with people who were stealing things and and that's the kind of crowd that I ran with and that's what I fell into. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I, I wanted to, to have you all comment on, I mean, you're all very well-spoken and, and you, as I said before, and this this uh, crane house is for nonviolent offenders, but at the Indiana women's prison, I'm sure you were around a whole lot of people that ranged, uh, their, their, uh, crimes were, some of them were quite violent. Yeah. And I mean, how did you sort of deal with that difference and, you know, what you're used to. And then all of a sudden you're with a, a, another group of people that maybe, uh, you would never think about doing the kinds of things they'd done. Well, I think, um, I dealt with it by viewing people as individuals and not allowing myself to judge anyone else because I've made a lot of bad decisions as well. So you never know what kind of place people are in in their lives that make them behave a certain kind of way. And so I just had to really come to terms with myself and who I was and realize that the mistakes that I've made and the things that I've done don't define the person that I am today. So I was in there with people who had killed people. I had 
um, slept in rooms. They were my my roommates, my bunkies mm-hmm. that had murdered one or two or several people or were accessories to it. And these are normal looking people. They're not like some, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre looking <laughs> scary person. He's just like a regular, a regular intelligent woman. And so one does look at them and say, oh my goodness, how could she do something like that? But, you know, I'm not her. And so I just, I had to learn not to be judgmental. And just my initial viewpoint on people that were incarcerated was so different than when I got put in that situation. Because I'm like, well, I don't want people to look at me and be like, oh, she's a thief. So I can't look at someone else and say, oh, she's a murderer. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people do change and circumstances change around them. Mm-hmm. Janelle? Well, I was at Madison mm-hmm. Correctional Facility and there was only a handful of high crime. Mm-hmm. And so, like, well, let me rephrase that. Like, maybe a handful of murderers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, therefore, like... Uh, I was there with many different people. Mm-hmm. A couple of the murderers that, that were there, I was friends with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they have done their time, and they're looking to get out. And I, and it, you really can't judge anybody until you know their story. Mm-hmm. And the few that I was friends with, they it was a situation. You know what I mean? So you just really have to take your time and get to know someone. And so when I came here and... I'm around these different women. It was more of a of a thing of okay, you know, this is a facility that that focuses mainly on drug addiction, and that's a a touchy subject for me. Uh-huh. So it was like, you know, like sure. that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Darcy, same question. <laughs> um, I have to say, before I went to prison, I was. I was scared. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I only knew what I'd seen, you know, on TV, and I had no idea what to expect. And, um, you know, a lot of people had told me I was going to be bullied when I got there, you know, so I was pretty scared. And when I did get there, and, you know, when I did meet some people, you know, and people did say, you know, well, I'm in here for murder, it, like Patrice said, it's... You wouldn't even expect it. So I actually learned to not ask people because that that's how it made, made it easy for me. I just, you learn to get close with people in there because that's, you know, that's all you have. And to me it was, you know, I'm in here for what I'm in here for. And, you know, I made a mistake. So did everyone else. And some people put... I guess they look at crimes differently, and I guess in in a way they are different, but either way, you know, we all did something to get there. It doesn't matter what it was, as long as we're making the difference to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like you all learned things in your time in prison. I mean, you had, uh, when you were in the Indiana women's prison, you had a lot of time, obviously, to think, but what's mm-hmm. what's life like? I mean, did were you did you have jobs when you were there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think I was there longer than the, the other two ladies. So I had various, my jobs always varied. Um, but since I wasn't a violent offender, I always had low level outside clearance jobs. Like I would leave outside of the fence and I wouldn't like actually come into town or anything like that. But um, I would like clean up and cut the grass and deal with chemicals and things like that. So you have to, you have, to have a job unless you're in school. So. Mm-hmm. I did both. I did school and I also worked. Mm-hmm. So while I was there, I received my associate's degree and mm-hmm. I did culinary arts. I did substance abuse classes. I did grief and, grief and loss classes. I mothering classes. I mean, whatever they had to offer, I was trying to do something to just make myself a better person and mm-hmm. view life differently. So you, you have to stay busy in there. Um, at first, it's it's kind of weird how we can transition in, into prison because it's like it's not so scary once you're there because it's so different and it's so new and the people really do not look intimidating at all, and so you you get used to it. You get used to the routine of it, and I wouldn't say it was pleasant. It it never became pleasant or comfortable, but 
you do adjust. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to pick on Darcy a little bit. She mentioned <laughs> classes, and you said mm-hmm. you overslept this morning and missed your class. <laughs> uh, so what kind, of, what kind of classes do you have here? Um, we have, right now, we have, um, we have an anger management class. Mm-hmm. That would be the class I slept through this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem angry, so. Yeah, no, so. I'm not. Um, but it's my day off. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. <laughs> but um, we have substance abuse classes here that we take. Um, we have anger management. And we also have, like, a women's group. Talk about women, wisdom of wi- uh, women, and then parenting. It cycles through. Like, we'll do the parenting for so many weeks, and then we'll do the anger management, and we'll do the the women's group. So, um I've I've completed parenting since I've been here. I've done most of the substance abuse and um, the women's group. And then we just started anger management. So (laughs) we have those classes. A lot of them I miss just due to work because I work so much. But Thursdays are my day off, so I'm supposed to get up early and go to anger management. And I had my alarm set and... I hit snooze. <laughs> do you work the, the other six days at Denny's? Is that yes. correct? So six days a week. Yeah. Six you days said you, a week. you work pretty late, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually get off around midnight. I go in at 3 p.m. and get off about midnight. Uh-huh. Wow. That's um, hard work. So what kind of classes are you taking, Janelle? Um, here I take uh, the with, Woman of Wisdom and the uh, Anger Management. Mm-hmm. And then I have one-on-one grief and loss with Miss Liz. Uh-huh. And uh, that that's to help me because I've lost so many people in my family in the past, and uh-huh. so I'm dealing with that. But right now, I go to Impact. This is right down the street uh, uh-huh. through DFR, uh-huh. which is the you know food stamps and everything. And I do that every day, Monday through Friday. Uh-huh. Okay, we're gonna have to take a short break. Uh, we're you're listening to Noon Edition. It's coming to you today. From Crane House in Indianapolis, uh, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. I'm here with Julie Raw and three of the uh, people who are living at Crane House, Janelle, Darcy, and Patrice, and we'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Julie Raw from WFIU. Uh, Julie's series, uh, A Walk Behind the Wire, about women in Indiana's prison systems, has been running this week on WFIU. And today we're doing Noon Edition from the John P. Crane House in Indianapolis uh, with three of the people who have been, they have three women who've been incarcerated, but now they're at the Crane House in a work release center and we're, they're working their way. Uh, toward being out very soon. Um, if you want to join us on the program, you can't because we're pre-recorded <laughs> today. But uh, we hope that you'll stick with us till the end of the hour. So, yeah, and actually, you know, thanks for mentioning the series, Bob. That's mm-hmm. really sweet of you. <laughs> I, I think you know something that I've learned just in working on this series is that um, you know I, I didn't know what to expect going into a prison and that's because I'd never been in one before and I'm thinking a lot of our listeners probably you know may not have ever been to a prison before could you kind of talk a little bit about what you know what everyday life is like there you know what do you what do you do each day it's it's like a routine well it is a routine 
I, on my schedule, I would have to be up at 6 in the morning. Child was at 5.30. Sometimes I didn't go because, like, I wanted to sleep in. And so I'd get up to go to school at 7 o'clock. And I was in business technology. And then after that, at 10.30, we'll, do, we'll have count. You know, and then after that, count is uh, it's just everybody see, lines up, kind of. Or no, we're all in our rooms, and they count to make sure everybody is accounted for, nobody's escaped or anything like that. And so, you know, we we at Madison, we had seven counts, seven, seven yeah. per day. Yes. Wow. And then the ones that are were at night were every hour. Those weren't the ones that we had to be in our rooms for. We could get up and use the bathroom to those. But the seven that we had to be in our rooms were the ones that mm-hmm. were, you know, hair pulling. And so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, I would um, work. I've had a number of jobs. I worked in the kitchen. I worked at the state hospital kitchen, you know, Madison Mental Health Hospital. Mm-hmm. I've worked there. Um, I worked rec department. So okay. that's typically what I did in the ap- afternoon. And, you know, we had lunch at four we had no we had lunch at 12 excuse me and dinner at four and then after four it's open to whatever we wanted to do watch tv anything until one o'clock okay got it had to be in bed yep got it and and darcy and patrice does that sound kind of like what you experienced too really different (laughs) (laughs) well um it's a lot more structured at um especially rockville and at indiana women's prison we had about the same amount of counts though but they were like serious. You better be in your room and sitting on your bed. So they do an actual head count. They go around to every individual room and every individual bed and make sure that your face is matching your bed type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they start serving breakfast at like five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, are you serious? Nobody on earth eats breakfast this early. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like to not make you be comfortable. Like you're never gonna be comfortable getting up eating breakfast at five o'clock in the morning, obviously. And dinner was served at like four thirty, five o'clock PM. And so after that it was like you pretty much didn't have anything else to do unless it was like a specific organization coming in that day. You pretty much were in on a dorm for the rest of the evening. So it, it was definitely not very exciting. Um during the summertime they had outside recreation. You can go out for maybe an hour um, or two in the evening, but you'd be back in by seven thirty, and so it was. It was a lot more structured. Like you couldn't come and go as you please. You had to be going to a specific destination, and you had five minutes to get there. And if you weren't there in five minutes, you were going to get written up and sent back to your dorm. So looking back for for you guys, is that kind of the primary thing that you'll always remember? Is like that routine, or you know, what is what's the thing that you you'll always I guess think back on when you think of that time period. I know when I first got here, I kept waking up at six o'clock. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, you know what I mean? And I, and I was like, man, can I just sleep in for a little while? You know what I mean? And now it's like now that I have my daughter with me, that was the first week I was here when I didn't have her. Now it's like, man, she's waking me up at eight o'clock. So yeah, that routine <laughs> it does stick with you. I think I'll be waking up at six o'clock for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, I. The uh, the recidivism rate, the, the rate that people usually go back into the prison system after they've been there once, I think nationally it's 60%. But at, at Crane House, because of the programs, uh, you know, the the rate is like one out of five, 20%. This program is widely regarded as a very successful program for for the women that come here and for, for their children. So uh, what why do you think that is? I mean, you've, been, you've all lived here now for a certain period of time. What is it about Crane, crane houses that you think is going to give you an extra break or an extra uh, incentive to, to just stay out of the system, stay out of prison? Darcy? Um, I think that the main thing Crane houses showed me that, you know, like, number one, it's given me an opportunity to have my children with me. And along with the classes, you know, and they also, you know, they push you to get a job. You know, they, at first when I got here, they charge us rent. And at first when I got here, I was like, are you serious right now? Like, I'm not going to pay you rent. But now, now I'm okay with it because it's, I've gotten into the habit of, you know, turning my money in and paying, you know, 
around $140 a week. So now, you know, when I get out next week, I'll be able to go find my own place and I'll be in the habit of paying, you know, $145 a week or so, you know, so I'll be used to doing it so I can get my own place. So I understand now, you know, why they do that. Not to mention, you know, bills need to be paid. But um, it just... I know it's very structured and a lot of people don't like that. You know, I've been here since March and I've seen a lot of people go back. I've seen a lot of people go back to jail. More people have gone back to jail than what have been released. And it's just a lot of people don't like the structure. And for me, the, the structure works for me. The structure is what holds it, you know, holds it together and I think I think that it's you know it works out good and it, it helps you to to live life you know with having a job being able to have your kids but it gives you that structure so you don't go you know go all wild and it's it's really showed me you know it makes me want to be able to go out and get my own place now you know have my kids keep working and stay away from anything that's going to send me back mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a little transitional period yeah mm-hmm. i want to tell our listeners that wonderful music you're hearing <laughs> that you heard when when darcy was talking there is from uh, short ridge school which is next to greenhouse it's part of the atmosphere the marching band is <laughs> practicing so um same question uh for you janelle about um, you know what crane house has sort of meant to you and and how you think that the programs here are going to help you you know as you move forward and when you get out well it's helped me because i am hard-headed and so hard-headed yeah <laughs> yes it's like i don't know i think that i can just do my thing and get away with it. and it's just sort of like uh like what your grandma say what happens in the dark comes to the light so it's like okay since i've been here it's trained me that when I get out there, don't think just for any minute that you could just go ahead and do what you got to do or want to do and nothing, no consequences. So this place has helped me get discipline. I, I would think, especially since you've you've been you know in prison once, mm-hmm. that nobody's going to give you a second break. I mean, if you right. get caught doing anything, you're going to probably right. just go right back. Oh, yeah. So right. you've got to really oh, yeah. be on your toes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say the structure of it, um, even though like it looks like a house and it's warm and welcoming, there are a lot of rules and they have to be followed. And um, initially I was stressed by it because I'm like, oh man, I was just at the prison. I was just following all these rules. I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go here. I want to have that. And so now I'm just starting to really understand now that I've been here a little over a month that without order, there's chaos. So if you don't tell us when, where we can go and what time we have to be back and what needs to be done and what cannot be done, then we are going to fall into the same old habits that initially got us into this situation. And like you said, um, if we go out and violate, even in the smallest fraction, we're going to go back to prison. And we don't want to go all the way back. And so now I understand why they're so tough on us here at the Crane House to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and finding a job and taking care of our children and treating them right and treating each other right so that we know how to behave ourselves because obviously something fell off and that's how we ended up in the prison system to begin with. So I've grown to appreciate the discipline of being here and and opposed to obviously being at the prison. Mm-hmm. How many women are here? Nine. Nine, Nine of you? Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, when you, when you leave Crane House, do you think that any of you will stay in contact with one another? Do you develop friendships like that, or, or are you just sort of passing through? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, some people I probably will want to see again, and some people, I mean, I probably won't, obviously. That's just like anywhere in life. Sure. I mean, you don't want to keep in contact with everybody you see. You just dealt with them for the time being. But, yes, we definitely get close with each other. We like we eat, sleep, and we play with our kids together. So we, we spend a lot of time with each other. So I have met a lot of nice and great people that I would like to see again, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. Do you guys feel like you're feel like you're ready? You know, you're ready to kind of make that leap, you know, out into the this other world, this other world that you left? Yes, I do. You do? Yes. Are you worried about it in any way? No. No? 
you'll be fine. You're hard headed. <laughs> Honestly, no, no, I, I, I can't say that I worry about it. I mm-hmm. think right now, what I worry about the most is self sufficiency. Mm-hmm. But living life, no, because mm-hmm. I wasted too much time not living. So no, right. I can't worry about that. Well, self sufficiency uh, issue, I think, would go back. Also, you, as you said, you were homeless before. Yeah, I so. was facing home. Yes, mm-hmm. I actually facing have home. been homeless, and I was facing homelessness at the time when uh-huh. I became incarcerated. And right. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that's a big thing for me, you know, to be able to take care of myself and my daughter. Not mm-hmm. saying that I want to be rich or anything, you know. I just want to be comfortable, successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Darcy, this has got to be something you're thinking about a lot. Cause <laughs> Six days. Be, you know, you're counting down. And what are, do you think that there are challenges that, you know, you're going to ultimately end up facing? Um. I do. Like, um, I can't. I'm not going to say I'm not excited because I'm absolutely stoked. But at the same time, I I'm very nervous because Crane Crane House is like my it's like my safe haven, and you know I've had you know thoughts. Well, you know what about just one time? And then I think back. Oh no, you know can't do that. Crane House will get me, you know what I mean? So <laughs> now, you know, I'll still have, I'm going to be living with my mom for a while. So I guess I'll still have that, oh, better not do that. Mom will get me. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, it's it's going to be really different going, you know, going from having the structure to not having any. So I just keep telling myself, you know, I'm going to build that, I'm going to build my own structure for myself, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, like Patrice said, if there's no structure, there is chaos. So if I don't, you know, once I get out of Crane House and I don't have that structure from them, I'm just going to have to build my own structure and, you know, kind of follow the same things that I've sort of done here just to keep it going. I'm sure part of that structure is is having a job. And I'm wondering, you know, for the two of you who have found jobs, um, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't yet? No. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> I wish. You wish? Yes. Have you been looking so far? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. And it's it's difficult, and it's a little disheartening at first. Like, you go and you have an interview, and you're like, okay, this is great. And then after you don't hear anything back and you call them back, it's always the same song and dance. Oh, well, we're not, we're not hiring right now, but... If we do, we'll keep your application on file and give you a call. But we know in reality it's because they ran a background check and, you know, our felony showed up because, I mean, we all look like normal human beings. So you're never going to guess that we were incarcerated in prison for a moment if you were to see me or speak with me. But I know once they do a background check that it comes up. So it's just, I mean, it's a consequence for the actions that I've made. So it just helps me realize again that I have I have to really, really want better and like you were saying, like what's something that stuck with me? For me, when I was at the prison and I was in a big building in a big dorm and the steel doors closed and it wasn't like a door that you can just open up. And I mean, like they literally had to come and either buzz it open or the the CO would open it. And that was like a reality check. It was like when that door closed, I was like, I got smacked. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I got myself in this situation. There's absolutely no way I'm going to get out unless I change the way that I've been behaving and so that I can get myself out of here. So, and as you said, you were, you were in the Indian women's prison longer Mm -hmm. than these two guys were. So when you think about, you know, when you are out and when you get out, I mean, what worries you about that? Um, I can honestly say I'm not overly concerned about it. Obviously you get a little, you get a little jittery, a little nervous, but for me, it's more out of excitement. Um, I know a lot of people face like a lot of drug and alcohol issues and addictions that they're afraid of, and that's what they don't want to go back to. For me, that wasn't really the case. It was just I was not dealing with my issues correctly. And so now that through the programming and things that I can honestly say I got from being incarcerated, I feel like I'm able to go out and deal with real-life issues and and not shut down and, and not be around people who don't want better things in life. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a very great family and support system. There's no way that they're going to let me 
fall back into anything. Like, my mom is already like, I'm all over you. Like, white on rice. Don't think, don't think you're going anywhere until I feel like you've gotten yourself together. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm not intimidated about going home at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to ask about your kids again and what Crane House has meant to them or their programs that the kids are in? I mean, do they have some preschool classes or just, uh, you know, games with other kids? I mean, what kind of, what, thing, what do they do all day? Well, my daughter, she's enrolled in daycare uh-huh. right now. And <clears throat> it's a good daycare. I like it. At first it was kind of rough, but still that she likes it and she gets along with a lot of the kids there and they're helping me potty train her. So, mm-hmm. yep. And what's her That's name? That's what she does. My daughter? Yeah. Celeste. Celeste, okay. Yep. Darcy. Um, Jaden and Jayliana, most of the time they're with my mother. Huh. They're Nini. Mm-hmm. And because I work, so she watches them while I work, which is good for them because they were also with her while I was incarcerated. So that's kind of what they're used to. But they absolutely love the crane house. It's like a big, huge house for them to hang out and play and they get to be with their mommy. So I just recently told them, we're not going to stay at the crane house much longer. And my son's like, why, mommy? Why? No, we stay at the crane house. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're we're leaving. And they're like, no, we're not. I'm like, yes, we are. So, and Jaden actually said, why why are we leaving, mommy? And I said, because mommy doesn't like the crane house. <laughs> and he told on me. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he told uh, Miss Patton, mommy say her don't like the crane house. And I was like, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And how about your son? Um, intro, he, he comes on and off like every other week or so because uh-huh. he was with his father mostly all of his life because I was incarcerated for two and a half years but um he loves it here like when they pull up he's like bye dad whatever i see you <laughs> see you when i see you and so when he has to go back he cries so i feel i feel bad for him he he loves it here for them it's just a big house and their mommies are here and there's other kids and they got toys and uh, these big long bookshelves and so he absolutely loves it here i mean he pretty much just hangs out reads books and and plays all day mm-hmm. So for the kids, it's great. (laughs) We have about five minutes to go in our program that we're pre-recording today from Crane House in Indianapolis. So um, we will be talking, uh, still talking with Janelle, Darcy, and Patrice. But I have to remind our listeners, you can't call us. (laughs) Julie? (laughs) I'm wondering if you guys can, um, can tell me a little bit about being specifically a woman in the prison system. And I know that... You can't. You don't know how it is to be a man, but <laughs> but maybe you can sort of talk a little bit about you know with the ladies that you meet or the ladies that you did meet in the system. What's different, I guess, for you all? You know, specifically being a woman in the system. I would have to say, um, I mean, people in general, we're all different, but it's like our upbringings and being in prison. You're forced to, I mean, live with people that obviously you would not have in any other kind of circumstance. So you meet all these different kind of people. So um, to me, at first, it was kind of like dehumanizing because you all wear the same thing. And I was like, oh, absolutely. I hate khakis. Now I will never wear khakis for the rest of my <laughs> life. So for me as a woman, it was a humbling experience, though, because I did have to learn to appreciate myself and values and beliefs and virtues and things like that that my parents always tried to preach and instill into me, but I really didn't absorb then. But now I just like myself more as a person. It's like I don't have to have all this stuff on, and I don't have to own this and own that to be somebody better. It's like I can gain knowledge and experience, and that can make me a beautiful woman. It doesn't have to be materialistic items. So it was a very humbling experience for me being with everybody that wore absolutely the same thing, even down to the same makeup. It was like, oh, it was very <laughs> frustrating. But now, like, I look back on it, and I I can appreciate learning that from being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. What about you, Janelle? Do you, do you feel like there is something about being a lady in particular that was made this experience different? Um, yes. Uh, I feel like now I have a calling. I can talk to other people 
younger than me or older than me that are trying to fall into the same habits and routines that I was doing before. And I can let them know, like, hey, this is not the life for you. You know, this is not what it's cracked up to be. And so they could just take my life and see it as a learning experience. All right, in the last uh, minute or so that we have here, I want to ask each one of you, like, what what are your long-range goals? I mean, do you have long-range goals, or, or have you been thinking about, okay, I just my next step is I'm going to leave Crane House and I've got to find a job and get going. Do you see, can you look forward three or four years and say, here's why I'd really like to be then, Janelle? Finding a job would definitely be a short-term goal for me, so, yeah, that is always on my mind, but also I uh, – talk about all the time like the girls can say like I really want to get into grief counseling and I was actually looking it up last night like man why isn't this uh, a course why isn't an elective you know I couldn't understand that but you know and that's just like what my passion is right now like I said before I'm struggling with uh, grief grief and loss myself so that's something that I feel like again I can use my experiences to help people Mm -hmm in a different way. Mm-hmm. Darcy? Um, the only, I guess, long-term goal I have right now is to, I want to get back into school. I want to go to college and uh, take some photography classes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken me a while to figure out what I really wanted to do, but I definitely want to uh, take photography classes and I just want to be able to do, once I get out of the crane house, I want to do things with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, just make up for all the lost time that, you know, I missed with them and take them to do fun things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Patrice, about 30 seconds. Um, I want to get my MBA, mm-hmm. and I want to own a business of my own. Mm-hmm. So, in three or four years, I plan on working towards my master's and already have obtained my bachelor's by then. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Well, we're out of time. I want to thank uh, thank Janelle and Darcy and Patrice and Julie. Thanks a lot. Thanks for letting me join you in your series. I appreciate it. For Gretchen Frazee and Mike Pashkash, our producer and engineer who are also here, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.